Well, hello, everyone. We are live once again on Small Talk. Uh, we got started a little late tonight on our Facebook live stream because of technical difficulties. <laughs> and Teresa's laughing because it was her, our guest yes. for the evening, <laughs> Teresa West. I don't know, Teresa, on your, your Facebook account, it says Teresa Foster West. Yeah. I'm just going with Teresa West. You can go with whatever you want. Well, I like that because I want to have you on regularly, and I think we should have the Go West. Go West? Yeah, the Go West <laughs> segment. We've, we've got Prince George and Go West. So tonight I got uh, Teresa on here, and of course, everyone's favorite, honestly, after three episodes, Reggie. <laughs> really like everyone's like george you talk too much you talk over reggie we need to hear reggie reggie has a better voice for this reggie 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 so uh i don't honestly since this is called small talk and really that means it's about me reggie uh with you getting all the accolades i don't know how much longer you'll actually be on here but uh we'll go ahead and ride this out while we can Hate him while you can, brother. Hate while you can. That's right. And you said something to me today, Reggie, also that other people are watching this, you know, friends of ours, yeah. colleagues, acquaintances, you know, mm -hmm. folks that uh, might actually want to be on. And and I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. It's yeah. Good. And I think that maybe even people might think that, hey, if those guys can do this, then, <laughs> then anybody could do it. Anybody we could do it. Enjoy, man. Yeah, and so I really just want to say now that if someone is interested in just hitting me up and saying, George, how are you doing this? Uh, what equipment are you using? How did you get set up on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast? That's coming along. That, that should be up today, I hope. And Spotify and how are you doing this Facebook Live thing with guests? And then hit me up. I'd be more than happy to tell you. I think uh, the more the merrier. I think a lot of people should be doing stuff like this. I think it's great. So uh, tonight we've got Teresa. Now, listen, there's a few people in my life. Uh, Reggie, you're definitely one. Teresa, you're definitely one. I've got some other friends that I can talk to on the telephone for an hour easily, sometimes even two hours, and it's completely effortless. And, um, and so um, I, I just talked to a guy, what, last week? who is a uh, communications professor at Tiffin University in Ohio. And he sent me his dissertation to get his doctorate degree. I read it today. It was very interesting. I hope to have him on. And then afterwards, I, we were about ready to hang up. And I looked at the phone and we'd been on the phone for like 50 minutes. And it seemed like five minutes. Like I love having conversations with folks like that. Like those are the types of people I really want to have on the podcast. So you two are definitely folks like that. So having you on as much as possible would be great. You're both, by the way, very opinionated. Really? Yeah. yeah. No. Very opinionated. <laughs> and I will say, Teresa, I want you to introduce yourself to people. Just tell everybody about yourself because I really don't think I did a good job with introducing Reggie to folks uh, to begin with when we first started doing this. Um, but, man, the first time, Teresa, I met you was at a table. We were working on a campaign for a great friend of ours. And I was just like, who is this lady? Like, she's just... <laughs> so opinionated and doesn't mind just throwing out whatever in the world is on her mind. And I really don't know if I like this lady that much, but then I stopped and thought, 
No, I do like her because I don't like to wander like where I yeah. stand with people. I don't like to wonder what's going through people's mind. I'd rather people just put it out there, even if they're a little bit brash and everything. But um, I'm, I'm glad we were both invited to that table because uh, we've had a great friendship since. And uh, I just deeply, deeply appreciate you. So uh, go ahead and tell folks about yourself in general, uh, Teresa, particularly like I think you have kind of one of those jobs like Reggie and I do where we travel around and consult with people. And sometimes that can be hard for people to wrap their brain around what yeah. we do. Well, I have a company. It's called West Central Solutions. And my daughter always kind of refers to me as the bar rescuer of assisted living. Um, I come in. I am abrasive or aggressive. Uh, some people might use other words, but the reality is, is I'm a problem solver. And sometimes you don't want to hear the facts. The facts are hard to digest. Truth is hard, but you cannot change what you don't know. So Hello? strength is just telling the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> so, and I have six kids and I'm married and I live in Citrus County and I love this place. So how can you tell, you, you got to be able to tell sometimes, Teresa, where you are maybe being, your, your, your tact, your approach is helpful and maybe when it's not helpful. I got Reggie laughing back there. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, really sometimes I don't want to be helpful. Sometimes so, so, I, I want people to be uncomfortable. I mean, and that brings some of the change about because we live in a everybody wants to be sugar-coated, you know, kind of world. So, yeah, I can tell they're uncomfortable, usually by the way that they look at me. Like, they want to say things, but they don't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, and just to further point out what I was saying earlier, Reggie, here's my friend Jackie. I love this lady. And she said hi, Reggie. I mean, she did say hi, George, and hi, Teresa. But she said hi, Reggie. Like I, I'm telling you, man. Like you're st you're still in the show here. Like it just, I don't know what to do with you, man. No um, hate anyway, brother. Yeah, we're going to talk about this when we get to the racial spectrum here. Maybe next week we'll talk oh, about the rationale behind this. <laughs> so, um, listen, tonight, uh, you know, I put out there on Facebook. We we're supposed to start like 30 minutes earlier, but we had technical problems. Um, I put out there that the discussion tonight would be, and it will be, um, Teresa, how'd you put it? Losses that, that we've sort of experienced in this pandemic aside from uh, the loss of life. And so I, I really want to just get right to it now that we kind of know who you are and, and uh, how you just like to throw things out there and, and just tell the truth. That's what I, I see you doing. I, I see a lot of similarities in you and I, like we are motivated by the facts. Uh, regardless of whether those yes. are pretty or not. So what did you have in mind when you said, George, I'd like to talk about the losses in this pandemic aside from the loss of life. What'd you have in mind? Well, I think it's, I think it's even beyond like jobs. I think there's, there's such a loss on the inside. If people want to talk about loss of control, I mean, for the first time ever in our country, we are experiencing being locked down. It's not a choice. Even though we want to believe it's a choice, it's not. And that loss is creating a lot of people to be uncomfortable. 
There's a lot of emotions that are going on. And I think it's bringing up a lot of things that maybe people never dealt with that they've been keeping down. Well, I can tell you what Reggie's dealing with. He's dealing with the fact that he loves this lockdown. Yes, he does. <laughs> Every minute of it, except for I got a house full of people. That that's that's something I'm not used to, and but I find ways to to mitigate that. I, I'm 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 enjoying this. This is how perfect. many how many people you got at the house, Reggie? Well, it started with me and my wife, and I mean those first two weeks were like Shangri La. You understand me? Like it was like we was just married for the first time. We were playing games together. We laughed and we joked. And then my sister-in-law came. Well, we <laughs> but it, you know, it changed the dynamics of the house. And then my son was so adamant. He, I'm going to stay in Mississippi. I'm not coming back. I, I'm, I'm, and then they canceled spring practice. So then he came. So we went from two to four in the span of maybe four days. And then we got two dogs. And when you combine all of those, it takes away from the joy of the quarantine. But mm -hmm. I, I'm finding ways, man. I'm finding ways. You know, I was out in the pool today <laughs> and I'm um, having a drink and I'm sitting there in the pool and I've got uh, Fox News on out there on the pool deck. Reggie, that's your favorite network network, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And uh, I've got I got a bag of Fritos. <laughs> you want your wife to come nowhere near you at this point. And I'm thinking, quarantine me, man. Quarantine me. This is totally fine. I've got a. I'm sitting here in a beautifully new, uh, newly remodeled swimming pool, watching um, the Fair and Balanced uh, News Network, eating some Fritos and having a drink. Like, what could be better than that? But I would tell you, I'm. I am highly uncomfortable. This is for sure. And I think that maybe. Maybe it's just like a loss of uh, the feeling of autonomy mm. that that really I just really don't like. And you know that whenever you, I think all three of us probably to some degree, I definitely know Reggie and I do because Reggie and I are like totally in the same line of work. And uh, Teresa, I think this applies to you as well. We're always trying to affect change, yes. positive change in other people's lives. And we know that we can't do that by just rushing in well, I don't know, Teresa, you might try this, but we can't necessarily <laughs> do that by rushing in and just telling people what they need to do with their lives. Now, we might be able to gain some compliance that way sometimes, sure. depending on if there's some consequences associated with non-compliance. But we don't get actual change out of people by telling them what they ought to do and should do and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Generally, that causes people to dig in and go the opposite direction instead of change. And so what we know we have to do is respect people's autonomy, figure out what do they want for themselves, what do they think is the best path forward, and then support that. And that's generally how people change. And so I'm just used to being in a line of work where I respect people's autonomy. And now I've got the government telling me, hey, you can't even go outside. I, I haven't been down to Walmart. I try to stay away from the Inverness Mall as much as possible. <laughs> But um, it really, Reggie, it's like the mall in our little town. Okay. But but I talked to someone this morning who went there and had to wait outside for, I think, maybe like five minutes or so to wait for people to come out because they can only have so many people go in at a time. Man, I'm not trying to go down and wait in line to get into Walmart. I mean, there's a lot of places I wait in line to get into. Walmart's not going to be one of them, I'm here to tell you. Like, this is antithetical to everything that we have experienced as, as Americans. And I just don't think we're comfortable with it. 
I have my own thoughts about this, but I'm gonna hold back for a while. I'm listening to let y'all keep going. This is this is entertaining. Keep going. What else you know? <laughs> well, that's what we're here for, Reggie. We're here to entertain the the, the folks. Entertain oh, the good. I mean, do you think you, uh, Teresa, are you with me? Uh, where where are you at on this? Like it's it's just we're not accustomed to even uh being in a position where the government is telling Okay, now I get where Reggie's coming from. Yeah, you know exactly where he's coming from. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day that pretty much said what y'all said, which is, you know, you can't yeah. do this, you can't go outside, you can't do that. You know, hey, white folks, welcome to being black. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what I did? Listen, man, that was that was a hundred percent genuine right there. Where I just caught myself midstream as I'm looking at you. You know, and if you're if you're watching this on Facebook as opposed to listening to the uh, podcast on your favorite podcast platform after the fact, then yeah, you would see how genuine that was. I, I just oh yeah, keep going though. This is no, I mean, but listen, it's good. It, it's good though, Reggie. Right, that I would have the wherewithal to even stop myself halfway through that and, yeah, and realize. Yeah. What, that's we're, we're brothers from another mother, brother. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I mean, I and I told you, Reggie, that I was in Walmart uh, for the first time after this quarantine, and the shelves are all bare, in particular the paper goods aisle and all the rest of it. And I think I said way too loud. Welcome to life under the Bernie Sanders administration, basically, wow. is what I figured uh, would be the case. But your boy dropped out today, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him too, because he stopped being selfish. That's a whole different discussion. I no, he has not stopped being selfish because he did not throw his support behind Biden. He told everybody to keep on charging hard through the, uh, through the convention so that they can affect the platform. So, uh, there, sir, you are absolutely 100 percent wrong. He did not. He'll get there. He, he will for he, real. He will. He will. When he's really totally backed against the corner. But at any rate, that's a different discussion. You're right for another time. But think about it though. I mean, let's back to back back to uh, my latest discussion here. Seriously, um, the the loss of freedoms, right? That that yes. the idea that George, you were talking about earlier, that people have hotlines where you can call in and and narc on people who are violating the code and things of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a horrible spot to be in, in the sense where now every action you have will be questioned, right? Um, mm-hmm. to, to a degree. Uh, you, you, you feel shamed when you go into certain environments and you don't do what everybody else is doing. So like my wife went to the store today. I said, well, she wore her mask. We bought Jake these football masks his senior year in high school because, you know, it get cold up here. And they, they got skulls on the front. So it's kind of cool. Well, his coach wouldn't let him wear them because you know, his coach was one of those old school guys, you know, no individuality, none of that flash stuff. Well, good for him because we had them available now, right? So we got the mask, the cloth mask. You could double them up. And then um, one of the things that I, we do from when I had my surgery, they, the doctor made me swab my nose out with iodine. And I asked him why, because it burned the devil out of it and it stunk. But um, he said because it helps to prevent infections, because most of the stuff you take in will go in through your nose. So they make you swab you, at least at the hospital I went to, they make you swab your nose out with iodine before you go into surgery. So it helps to prevent inf- infections. And I looked it up later, and that's uh, the body of evidence. To support it, there, there's real some efficacy in that. So right, so now we do that when we leave the house. We put swab the nose out, put the mask. So I asked her, "Was were other people wearing masks?" She said, "Yeah." For the first time, we went out. Like the the guys behind the counter were wearing masks. Um, you know, some everybody that came in the store basically were wearing masks. So she was in the social norm, right? She didn't stick out. 
But that one person in there that didn't have that mask on, they were looking at him like he shot their puppy. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it was going down in that camp. Well, hell. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Junior. Try being only dipping the cookie in most instances and see what the hell that feels like on the regular. Yeah. You know I mean? All right. Well, give me, give me a give us an everyday example of that. Well, I've given you many, but I'll give you this one. Okay. So I go into an environment and me being big and bulky, you know, and black, that, that don't make things much better. But I mean, just being big is kind of a stereotype in and of itself. But being big and black is a whole nother one. So usually when I go into, say, a store, the first thing that I feel, and I'm, I try not to pay attention to it. More time not, I wear my headphones, but somebody starts standing at me, right? And as I'm going through the store, if it's, say, like a, 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 the grocery store, Cub Foods, right? I won't get the one out in particular, but it's right by my house. As I'm going through there, if it's late at night, because I like going later when ain't that many people in there, there ain't but like three or four people working. Somehow every aisle I'm on, Somebody's stocking stuff. It's like, okay, dude, you were just stocking on the last aisle. <laughs> what are you doing over here? What, are you, you doing a piece here and then go back and finish that one? I'm, and you just get used to it after a while. Listen, what? man, those people are li- listen. Those are those people are stupid. Okay, okay. it's not the six eleven guy that's going to be in there stealing stuff. <laughs> it's the it's the dude that's like the size of Doctor Fauci. What's that guy like four? <laughs> He's the guy that's going to be stealing stuff. But you think about it, though. This is a time for real empathy cross-culturally. Because now, if you go in there and you don't fit like the expectations, mm-hmm. then you're going to be, you're going to get that kind of feeling of like being watched and being kind of put upon and, and folks, you know, checking your behavior and things of that nature. Uh, maybe something great and grand can come out of this in the end. Teresa, Teresa, save us from ourselves. What do you think? Well, let me finish. I had a Bible question. All right, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I used to say to God, I mean, everything happened for a reason. He said, "No, that ain't that, that ain't what happened." God don't make everything happen that way, but God can use anything for good. And that really shifted my opinion about the whole thing. And I started looking at things from that. And I think that this is, some good can come out of this. Some significant good can come out of this if people just slow down and fully pay attention. I'm sorry, Miss Teresa. Go ahead. Well, I agree with that. I think good is coming out from a God perspective for people who believe um, there's an opportunity where maybe, I mean, I'll I'll admit this for myself. In the last three weeks, I think I've begun to recognize a different truth about God than I ever did in the past. Mm. Um, Instead of him being the God of, I want, I want, I want, you know, I mean, like, oh God, I, I want this. Um, I, I feel like I, I always thought I had a lot of empathy, but I think my empathy is much greater because, and that's where I got this kind of idea about loss is that instead of being so judgmental, even though I, I am a believer, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, people, I, I judge people like what you're talking about. I mean, if you, you could be lying to say that you don't have preconceived ideas about people, mm. you see, especially if you have some sort of baggage or whatever it is, but for me, I have grown clear in relationship with God. And I've learned one thing that I never really understood is that I can't control the world. Mm. In my mind before, I could control everything. Yeah. You know, I can solve anything. And I see that a lot that I'm powerless over a lot of stuff that I never thought about before. Yeah. So. I read an article about that. That that's why the toilet paper runs out. That's why Clorox goes away. But that's something we can control, right? People are 
that are so healthy that they they search for things that they can have within their grasp. And so let's go buy all the toilet paper up. And then the media hypes it up because they'll talk about, oh, there wasn't no toilet paper in this aisle. So next thing you know, every time the thing hit the shelves, it's like somehow it's some magical treatment that's on that shelf because it'll disappear within minutes of it getting there. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a way of controlling things, right? I got a stock on hand to be able to manage this situation. Like the toilet paper somehow. Yeah. Prices. So yeah. Teresa, I, I don't necessarily think that empathy is some generalized sort of thing. So who in particular do you say you have more empathy for or mm -hmm. what type of situation do you have more empathy toward? Like what, 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 what is it? It's like drill down on the empathy that you feel like you are experiencing. Well, for me, I mean, and I'll just say this, I've never had a lot of empathy for, and this is not going to be politically correct. So let me put that. Yeah, we don't care about that. We don't care about that. Go ahead and do it over here. <laughs> okay. So like, you know, all the feeding agencies, but I will say this, that when I went to my church and I saw the cars, I, I cannot explain the emotion because I see it differently now with so many people losing their jobs and, I really think that none of us are immune from needing food in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it changes instead of being judgmental and saying in my mind, get a job, you know, why are, why are we supporting you? I see it differently. And I mean, I gotta be honest, it like it, 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 it breaks me up. I, I feel bad for those people. Yeah. I can't explain it. I mean, that's where I think God changed something in me. Mm. And I think about, and, and I'll just put this out here. I've had a lot of thinking about people who are single and who have nobody with them during this time because like we're all complaining about our families and our dogs are driving mm -hmm. us crazy and blah 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 but we're not alone we're not isolated even though we believe we're isolated we're not feeling that tremendous that is feeling with nobody in their home yeah. so yeah and i will tell you that i think that that's actually what's keeping the fit from hitting the shan in our country actually the fact mm -hmm. that I can sit right out this 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 panel of sliding glass windows I have out here and sit out there in that swimming pool uh, and enjoy myself watching the television. This is very different from like hurricane season for us down here, where we might be sitting around for a week with no power, mm -hmm. no internet, yeah. all the rest of it, hot, you know we're sitting still in the lap of luxury. And I think that that's why, you know, people are not smashing and grabbing whatever they possibly can in town. But it all depends on what part of town you're talking about. We haven't had riots. Yes. But I, I think about, and say like up here in, in the Twin City area, there's an area, North Minneapolis, impoverished, right? You got all the slumlords over there, very little home ownership. Uh, it's almost a food desert. I mean, you think of that. And I think about some of the people that work for me from that area. Like there's one season where I, I overheard them talking about the tax return they were getting. And they were talking about, man, I'm gonna get 10,000 back, I'm gonna get 9,000 back. And I'm thinking, gee, really? I'm just back with a pup and he's a full grown dog right now, right? You know what I'm saying? But I'm thinking, ooh, I'll take this opportunity. I gotta pick up. Uh, different grocery stores were offering um, freezers, right? You, if you purchase the freezer, you can fill it up with certain items and that'll just come along with the thing. And I'm thinking, 
Well, I had to talk with him. Couldn't convince him to do it, but I offered the services. Well, I would drive you over there. Back then, my back wasn't too bad. I'd put the freezer in there. I'd take it to your house. And that way, you'd have a freezer. Because in my world, if you got a freezer, you got a chance to sustain, right? I mean, you know what I mean? You, you, you put all kind of meats. You buy stuff when it's on sale, when you don't need it, and throw it in there. And none of them took advantage of it. Not a single one. Now, think about right now. I got a freezer out in my garage. It's bigger than me, right? It's an upright freezer. You open the door, and it's packed to the gills with food. That's a big freezer, dude. It's a pretty big freezer. <laughs> for, for somebody who doesn't don't have that, who didn't don't have the economic means, even if they can come up with the money, they can only buy what will sustain them for a short period of time. And usually there's a lot of other things that come along during that short period of time that's going to eat up the rest of their money before they get a chance to go re-up their food. Life's are drastically different for them during this. They ain't got a pool to chill in. You know what I mean? They they can't go sitting there on the deck like I do and look out in their backyard and watch the sunset <clears throat> because they got three or four miles inside and ain't nothing in the refrigerator, but well, ain't nothing in the refrigerator. Condiments and, and air, right? So I, I, I'm glad Teresa spoke the whole idea of empathy. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm poor by any means, knock on wood, right? I've been blessed and highly favored. And sometimes I lose sight of what other people, what, what, what this situation might be like for other people. So when I stop and think about it, it does, Give me pause, man. Because I don't Listen, think as a whole we as a country are thinking about that. I'm going to say that you are blessed and highly favored. I agree with that. I think a lot of other people are blessed and highly favored with the same intellect, attributes, charisma, all the things that you've got going for you, all the domains, let's say, of, of human characteristics where Reggie Prince ranks high. They've contributed to your success, but they're not, they're not utilizing those things. They're not taking advantage of those things. And then and that, that's just, you're always going to have that. You're always going to have that. And I think that that's where uh, people are very quick to start throwing stones and say, well, you don't have, you, you've got all the opportunity. This is where that maybe the pull yourself up by the bootstraps might, might come in. Right. Like, you've got you've got bootstraps, right? You've got all the talent and ability that Reggie has, but you've not taken advantage of that. You've not used that to the best of your ability. You've you've done other things with your life that's landed you in this position. But in a case like this, like none of that matters. Like we need to really still do what we can to um to to lift people up, especially in times like this. Yes. Now I can't listen. I cannot say I cannot go to the point, Teresa. You and I have had this conversation. I can't go to the point where I say I think in normal times, fifty plus food banks in a community of one hundred forty four thousand people is a great, efficient use of a community's resources. Okay, so like I just I don't see that in good times. Now, do do we need a plan to be able to mobilize and do what we need to do for times like this? Then, yeah, absolutely. But it's just hard for me to say, like, if you were putting together a business plan, Teresa, like no one would put that plan together and say, this is how we need to allocate our resources. Basic economics is we have limited resources and how do we allocate those? And no one would say that's a, that's a good use of our limited resources. I, I agree, but I think something good is going to, you talk about that, that's something good is going to come out. What I'm hoping, not just where we live, but where Reggie lives, is that we'll all start going to the table. 
I mean, we have to be able to see that we have a lot of things where we're not working together because we have these giant egos. We want it to be our idea. We want it to be our plan. And in reality, if we don't begin to work together, who cares whose idea it is and pull our resources? I mean, we're going to see much more harder times. Uh oh, we lost her. We lost her. Too, she was going too. I was digging. She her. was too, and I and I'm and I'm I'm totally with her. She'll she'll probably be calling me here on my phone in just a second. That, what that looked like right there was an iPhone going dead. She probably she probably <laughs> is going to call back in in just a second when she plugs that thing in. Yeah, but but I get what I totally get what she is saying. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I would say is it, it would not surprise me to see someone come to the table at a at a gathering, let's say, of social service agencies in my community. And, and someone come very passionate about starting a food bank because they are very, very passionate about that issue. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I had someone even probably about six or eight months ago that came over to the house and she shared with me what her passion was. And one of my questions was, well, there's no doubt you're passionate about this. And I think that you could affect a lot of change, but why do you need to start an agency? Like, why can't you bring value to an agency that's already up and running doing the same sort of thing? I get where you're going with that. Because for a second, I was a little, a little hesitant, I think. But I, I get where you're going. Everybody's trying to um, paddle the boat. And who knows if they're all paddling in the right direction. How about we just all jump on three or four oars together and go in the that's, same that's exactly what I'm saying. Because I don't think that it doesn't sound very palatable when I say, well, why do we need 50 food banks? Well, what if we had in a community like ours, which is obviously much smaller than the Twin Cities where you live, what if we had, let's just say, half that number, um, but we really were adding value to to each other you, you see what i'm saying instead of just creating agencies and whatnot i i don't know reggie i'm not um I, I i'm not religious about this point i'm not i'm not saying that that my way is is, is the way we should be approaching this um it's just something i think that we should probably think about here's what i'm gonna tell you and what you're speaking to is some of the kind of a sore subject for me. And it's a fear that I have on the other side of all this. Not to be a complainer. Like I said, let's look for the positives. But just the world of nonprofits, right? Because those food banks are nonprofits. And everybody got a, a, a specific message. When not really realizing it's pretty much the same message. And like you said, if we could really pool our resources and concentrate them in specific targeted areas, we'd probably have a bigger bang for the buck than spreading it all over the place and hoping stuff work out the right way, right? But another one of my, why it's a sore subject for me is, <clears throat> is I can give you a dollar to do something. Now, I ain't saying this is all nonprofits, but I will say most helping agencies of that dollar, 15 cents is gonna go toward building costs or you know just operational costs. Another, 60 cents is going to go towards salaries and, and um, things like that. And then another 25 cents is going to go towards something else. And then 10 cents of it will actually reach the person. I, I just, it's a frustrating thing for me to, 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 to know that there are poverty pimps out there. If you know what I'm talking about, you ever heard that phrase before? I have indeed. And, I'm and, glad you said it though. Not me. And I'm going to tell you right now, they are, 
you you think that there's some people around relaxing through during this time? Them people are the hustle right now. They coming up with every strategy they can to get at this government money. And, and who if if I could ride with that if it was actually gonna benefit people, right? And I ain't saying that some people there's gonna be some people that have an impact, and I pray that they that that, that they live long and prosper. But there are some folk who are looking at the way to find that the, the most money they can out of this situation. I mean, like to pimp this as hard as they can, and really it ain't gonna translate into nothing for the people. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it's one of the reasons why so far I have not been able to even bring myself to apply for the money that, that's out there. I mean, I just saw that basically they're they're out of money until maybe a next round of stimulus goes through. Uh, I, I might be wrong on that. Don't 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 take my word for it. But 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 right now, but but my next training class that I was scheduled to teach would begin at the third week of this month. Like I have not financially felt the impact of this, but between the last, what the third week of this month up through June, I was scheduled to be out of town nine weeks. That's a lot of money. I, I stand to lose, or let's say, hopefully just postpone about $40,000 uh, in my pocket um, in, in that short period of time. And, uh, but I can't, I can't even write, I'm not even feeling it right now. And I can't even, and I'm not broke. Hmm. So I can't even bring myself to just hustle, hustle, hustle to try to get as much taxpayer money as I possibly can at this point. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe that's those good old fashioned Midwestern values. Maybe that's uh, me being naive. I don't know what that is, but I just can't. Maybe that's just me being lazy. I'd rather lay in a pool out there than get on the internet and, and uh, research how to make all this happen. Uh, but I just can't even do it. I'm with you, but Mr. Reese, you're back. I'm sorry, you you got cut off in the middle of a rant. I, I don't I don't even know what happened. It just it just left. Okay. So. Well, we're glad um, you're back. Yes, ma'am. I, I am too. I'm glad that I was able to figure it out since I was a delay from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I got four teenagers here, and they're no help with the technical stuff. Let me just say that. <laughs> do, you, do Do you know what that rant was that you were on, Teresa? Do you remember? Well, well, what we were talking about is like loss and about people working together. I mean, you yeah. said the 50 food organizations, but in reality, if we don't learn from this process right now of being separated and learn to put some of our own motives aside and figure out what's best for us as a whole, and I'm not talking about socialism and I'm not talking about taxes, I'm talking about as humans. I mean, I think honestly, we have a lot of nonprofits in the world, but maybe we've begun to not see people like Reggie was saying earlier, like when he was in the stores, we begin, we stopped seeing people as humans and we started seeing them as labels. Mm. So maybe this, this virus will help us to take off some of the layers in our vision and see people as we're all alike. Yeah. Well, that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was hoping for, even just worldwide. But because this thing does not discriminate what country you're in, what color you are, what your socioeconomic status is, anything else. But all of that stuff is going to creep in and we see it creeping in already. Like when we see again today. OK, so here's the cynical viewpoint from uh, Reggie's favorite network that he plays uh, in the background all day, even though it's <laughs> muted most of the time. When you got guys like Chris Hayes saying that Trump put out um, 
these inflated numbers of 100,000 to 240,000 deaths, knowing that they would never reach that high, just so that he could then circle back in the end and say, hey, look at everything that we prevented. Are you kidding me? Mm. Like, just really just take these people have a very, very loose association with the truth. Well, really, they, they just try to manipulate. Like, I really I was very uncomfortable, Reggie, with um, Trump to begin with saying uh, I'm a wartime president. Like, mm -hmm. I just I didn't like that at all. <laughs> and I'm not so sure. I, I'm still not sure that I do. But it's a little bit more palatable now that I see the response from uh, the American people and corporations actually mobilizing as if it were a wartime effort. Like we see that is playing out very clearly as if it were wartime. But I still think that that started off as sort of like a political, uh, you know, some political pablum. You know, and so so any type of of uh, trying to um, manipulate the conversation, or say that someone's got blood on their hands, or whatever, like I I can't stand all of that. Taking advantage, as Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. We see a lot of that going on, and it, it flows on both sides. Really. Of course, it does. The big thing I, for me is, is the blame game and all that stuff. Why do we need to blame somebody? Blame ain't gonna fix it. How about let's get us safe? Let's get us to some level of normalcy. Let's come together as a people, like we did after 9 11, like we've done after many crises, where people stop thinking about what the other person looked like and figure out that he can help me and I can help them. Let's focus on that. And then once we're at a stable place, I don't have a problem with them looking back and examining what got us here or what, what, what put us in that situation, things of that nature. Because you, you got to learn from the past. But to try to learn from the past or blame in the moment, that that's insidious, in my opinion. Man. It, it, it serves no value. And all it does is just tear us further apart. And I think something that we folks who try to be all altruistic and noble have lost sight of is there's still an election on the table. And that both sides are playing that game as hard as they can. They they, yep. they bouncing that tennis ball back and forth like nobody's business, and then really it's us out here who looking like who be the fool because we we will join ranks with whatever folks we supposed to join with, and then forget about the fact that we need to come together. Damn, let's just be with each other for real. It ain't about what black and white. It's really about human beings. Mm -hmm. Figure that out and stay with it. Like I've seen some of the coolest things in the world from people are just during this crisis, helping one another. Not about color. Like the, the 97 year old vet in Minnesota that was doing his little dance outside. That made national news, right? Yeah. And just bring people cheer. Uh, folks from all ethnicities coming together in the school system to provide food to and meals to kids who otherwise wouldn't get it if they wasn't in school. And they're not sitting around in the trenches saying, you know what? What do black people think about this? What do white folks think? What are, what are Asian folks? They ain't doing that. They worried about whether they can get a damn mask and whether <laughs> they can get home if they're not carrying nothing to them. If you can keep that intensive focus. I've been, forget what the rest of them do. Right? It'll all come together in the end. Well, the reality is, Reggie, that is the norm in this country. That is the norm, day in and day out. All those things that you just said are the norm. Of helping people? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the most generous country that has ever graced the face of the world. We live in a civilized society. Uh, the, 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 the South, you know, we've talked about this. The South is just like the most gracious in our viewpoint, most gracious, uh, genteel part of the country. Uh, that is that is the the spirit of our country, man. But the problem is we got a twenty four hour news cycle, and if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> and so, and the other problem is that right now, because you have a Republican president, it's the Republican president that's going to take the fire, and that's just kind of built in, right? If if Obama were the president right now, let's face it, he would have blood on his hands too. That'd be coming from somebody else, yeah. right? So. But but that's all nonsense. That's crap, man. When I walk out my front door and I go out into my community or like we were talking about on our last podcast, you and I travel all over the country. Teresa does as well. When we're in airports and we're all over this country, people are gracious to one another by and large. It is why why is it that I'm outraged when someone's not gracious? Well, the reason why I'm outraged at that is because by and large, everyone is. So it's outrageous when one person is an a-hole. Yeah, and, and and there's some slanted views to that, and different experiences for different folks. But generally, ain't nobody out there trying to hurt nobody too too often, right? I mean, no. folks are—I wouldn't say considerate, but at least they're aware of those around them. And even and if they do want to hurt somebody, a lot of times they're not going to do it just because they know ultimately it's going to reflect negatively upon them. They might even have some 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 selfish reasons for not acting out on on yeah. their impulses. Yeah, it ain't from a, a healthy place. I mean, just just out of sheer self preservation, whatnot. But I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about Teresa. This is her first time on the show. She needs a chance to talk, doggone it. She does. Well, she does. well, I want to say something about what George is saying that everybody is so nice and the media and stuff. But who's feeding into the media the reason that we're so bombarded with negativity? Where's it? We're the ones tuning in. Yep. And we're demanding it and we're feeding in off it. So that is why it is, it's duplicating and multiplying. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the reason for it. And, and I mean, we're, you're saying that we're such a gracious giving society, but we feed off of hate and, and negativity. And we, we love to see discord. Mm. I mean, it's a truth or why is it so popular? (laughs) (laughs) And it's ugly. And, I'm so glad you wanted Teresa. Get him. Get him. Yeah, I mean get it's him. ugly, but that is why we are actually during this time of. I mean, I don't want to call it social distancing. I call it isolation, yeah. and and I call it captivity. Those are the two words that apply to my life. I feel like you know we are in captivity, um, and if we have to begin to say we are every American, every person is a part of this problem of spreading all of this meanness, you know, like a mean spiritness around. Cause if we shut off our TVs and, and we started to not participate and we weren't on social media. I mean, I caught myself the other day writing something on social media. I shouldn't have, but I said, we do not need to be criticizing people during this time because we don't understand how people are feeling about the unknown. Yes. Because what I feel is different than what you feel. And that's what I'm talking about with empathy is we have to recognize that what you consider a loss is not the same as what I consider a loss. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You know? 
I'm glad you spoke up. I, I, I don't want to be the, the, the contrarian here, but seriously, man, don't forward the meme. I, I see stuff on, on different social media things, and I, and I just scroll past it as fast as I can because sometimes I get bought in. I'll tell you, like, right now, a lot of my friends, not a lot, but several of my friends are, are engaging in um, the, the new conspiracy that um, the, the, the virus is an effort of genocide of black people. Not all of them, trust me. I mean, just a few. We call them the hoteps. You got to look that up. I ain't going to explain that to you. But, uh, I, it's just confusing because before, didn't you tell me black folks couldn't catch the virus? And all of a sudden, it was engineered to kill us all out? Come on, dog, stop. Well, and how, that ain't helping nobody, for real. It's, it's not going to lead people down the ramp. But there are folks who are demanding information because it goes back to what you spoke to before, Teresa. Control. Information is control. When you think if you get it, then you got it. But like we don't vet the informo- information we receive. We, we in no way look beyond the initial click, right? Here's a perfect, mm-hmm. I said it to you the other day, George, that nurse who was crying and just going off, talking about how they're not protecting nurses. And I don't know if you've seen that video, Mr. Ruther, but it, it was, she was pretty, pretty like torn apart. She And they post that on ABC News, CBS News, and, and on their websites, right? It's like a, a sign, an indicator that we are not properly protecting our nurses. Well, one of these cons- uh, what do you call it, conservative um, blogs. It was Michael Knowles. Michael Knowles. From the Daily Wire. <laughs> Even several other people decided to scroll up and look at previous posts of hers. And they saw that she had been out of work. She's a nurse, but she had been out of work for a significant amount, significant amount of time because she got mental health issues. Not because I say it or they say it. She's <laughs> on the like she put it in there, she's suffering from bipolar, depression, and all this, that, and the other. And in another post, she was on there reenacting the Cardi B coronavirus. I mean, just getting all out of pocket and just being way beyond normal, right? Now, it I dare you. I mean, I, I I challenge you right now to find that post anywhere on the internet. Why? Because most places that were touting it as an example of how Trump is and the, and the Republicans are crapping on our people, well, they've taken it down. But I can tell you on my Facebook page, I had to have seen that video maybe 26 times in the course of two days where people just kept reposting. People want to find the bad in this. They want to find the hidden dirt. Not all, but some. And those are the loudest ones. It's, I- it's, it's confirmation bias, man. It's, it's, I have a bias, and I'm looking for any type of confirmation for that. It doesn't even matter how flimsy it is. I'm just looking for some confirmation. I'm just going to jump on it as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. And not only that, but you just have some folks that are just, they're just so negative. Like, um, Teresa, we got a friend on here. Who's the uh, spokeswoman for the school board. She, she could put out tomorrow a press release of the best news that we've ever heard hit the school board in, in our community ever. And you would have 15 people comment negatively about it. It's like, what is your problem? People are just looking for the negative. You want to talk about something good out of this? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about school board. If you don't respect a teacher after being locked up with your kids, (laughs) there's something wrong with you. (laughs) I mean, I mean. I have, and I, I really want to put this out here because I hope this is nationwide and not just in our county. I, I mean, I have four kids. I don't know these teachers. 
but they have called me. I mean, I was at a restaurant today just hanging out because I couldn't take the social isolation. So they offered me to go there and work and I just wiped counters down. Okay. Um, but the great thing is I heard the guy say his name and I go, Oh, are, are you my daughter's teacher? No, I've never seen him, but he's called me. He's texted me. He's trying to stay in touch with my kid. And I'm thinking to myself, if nothing good has come out of this, the teachers know us now. We talk to them. We respect them. I mean, in a way, I believe that we honor them. And I would say as a parent, I mean, I think I'm a pretty good parent, but I think I've done a really crappy job of recognizing what my teacher does. <laughs> you know, I mean, and and I, I don't think I realized how hard it was for them to know my kid. And now I'm seeing all this extra effort to know my kid when my kid is away from them. And I'll be honest with you. I think that is, is a win-win for us as society. Mm. You know, I never want to be a teacher though. I mean, I commend you guys. I think they should get raises. I think we should stop complaining and saying it's always the teacher's fault. And we need to recognize that maybe our kid is, not really that great and as a procrastinator i mean i've got four kids right now and i get these emails or calls and i'm like they're procrastinating so. <laughs> well i'm procrastinating and even checking up on what they're supposed to be doing so probably if they're behind it's probably going to be my fault but i've watched my wife <laughs> my wife's a speech teacher and i've watched her and, and listened to her at her at, at this very desk right here doing teletherapy and like I've never even gotten to see what my wife does as a speech therapist. It's not like I've been to sit in on therapy sessions and whatnot. That doesn't even sound appropriate, but I've watched her do this and I'm just like, wow, I, I have a whole new respect for what she does and how good she is at it. And just even just how important um, it is for kids to be able to, to, to speak well, to be able to articulate themselves and convey their needs and all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. like many, many kudos to my wife and everyone else. And, and, and listen, she's one employee in the school system trying to make this happen. And there are lots of others. So I'm with you. Yeah. We, we, we've spoken to some of the good to come out of this. I just, I want people to really just take stock. What's important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So let me, so the, the topic is, and this is great. We're talking about the good things, but I think the topic tonight was actually some of the losses or the negative things that we yeah. maybe see coming out of this. So I, I do want to turn our attention to that. And, um, and we're going to take a little bit more Liberty with the time tonight. If you all are good with it, cause we're at 50 minutes right now and we're just, I we'll just press on. Okay. So, so I want to talk about a loss that is, it's interesting because of 9-11, because mm -hmm. you brought up 9-11. At 9-11, churches were filled. All of us turned to God. We wanted, we wanted that. Well, during this, the 60 minutes we might give going to church, if we, if we, if we do it, because you know, we don't want to be inconvenienced. It's Sunday fun day. Well, that's a loss for, I mean, and, and I don't want to say my generation, I want to say, you know, the older generation, you know, they're consistent about going to church and worshiping. And that might be their only friends, their only interaction besides going to the grocery store if they're alone from an elderly perspective. Um, that's a big loss. And it's a loss to people when they're out of control and they can't go worship, mm. you know. 
And I never thought about it from that lens too, as a social gathering. I mean, yes, we want the spirituality and the connection. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, I think about the church I used to go to. There's a lot of people that just went up there for communion. Right? Yeah. Connection with other human beings. Fellowship. Yeah. Yep. I think my last time in the pews at our church, we were sitting there and there was uh, someone over my right shoulder in the pew behind us that was coughing. <laughs> and the people who are right next to me on my right side in my pew, I, I think they were kind of new because I don't think they really knew what to do with the with the the pads that we pass every Sunday where you, you sign in basically, you know, I was here. Uh, they didn't know what to do with that. So I figured they were newbies. Right. And I hear the person, person sneezing and coughing over our shoulder. And I, it's, I swear I heard under their breath. It just, it stopped just shy of profanity in church. <laughs> like those folk are happy, happy to be doing church online right now. Trust me. They don't want that social interaction, Teresa. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, what Reggie? I'm going to go with what Teresa said because during most every other crisis that we've faced as a people, at least in modern times, the church has been a source of like refuge, right? I mean, mm -hmm. a source of, of solace where people can go and they knew where well, they can get a, a hot meal or they can just get mm -hmm. support. I mean, that has to be a, I mean, one in recorded history did you know of where the church shut down? I think it was still open during the plague, man, during medieval times. But yet, it didn't shut down right now. That, that, that's that's weird, strange times, brother. Yeah, and uh, from what I understand from history, the Jews fare, uh, they, they fared really well through that whole situation, and people thought maybe the plague actually came from them because they were not dying in the same numbers everyone else was. And why was that? Because they have hand-washing rules. <laughs> For I real, think it's God. I think it might be God, George, not hand washing. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. Hey, listen, I'm gonna um, say maybe God gave them instructions about washing their hands, and so you could chalk it up to whomever. Like they had the opportunity to follow those rules or not. But uh, Rebecca just, uh, she just posted a minute ago. She said, George, what about those guys in the parking lot at Pinchapenny? We went to Pinchapenny the other day, and uh, to get some pool uh, chemicals. And there were two gentlemen sitting outside in the parking lot that brought their own chairs and their own little table because right next to Pinchapenny is a, a donut shop. And so I guess they would normally just come in there every day and have breakfast together, but because they're not allowed inside and they can't sit on the sidewalk, they actually brought a table into the parking lot and set up shop out there and sat and had um, their breakfast together. And we asked the ladies in Pinchapenny about it. They were like, they do it every day. So, so there they are, you know, and I hate to think, and you know, what's happened. How many times while those guys are sitting out there, have some judgmental people come through the parking lot, just condemning them for doing that. And at their age, for God's sakes, let them do what they want to do. If they want to sit there and they're already cramming for finals anyway. Okay. And if they want to sit there and enjoy each other's company and eat some donuts with each other out in a parking lot, then shut your pie hole and let them do that. And you go do your thing. That's kind of where I'm at with it. 
uh, uh, <laughs> Teresa, one of our friends, Renee, I, I saw her post on Facebook probably three weeks ago, just how annoyed she is that people look at her like she's committed a crime when it's allergy season and she sneezes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like it's ridiculous. Now I understand two. So two thoughts come to mind. Number one, human beings, you could say to people, Oh, you're so negative. You're so negative. Well, you know what? We all are. And you know why that is? It's, um, it's built into us to notice the negative over the positive. That's how we've made it this far as a species <laughs> because you have to be able to identify dangers, the negative over the positive. You shake your head if you want, but you have to notice the things that will kill you. Wow. So that you can survive behind brain. <laughs> you have to notice that type of stuff. Our species would not exist if you did not have a propensity to notice the negative over the positive. It's how we've gotten this far. And, and the other, you let's don't believe that? Let's reinterpret that. How about we, we, we have an ability to discern, you know, things that are. Listen, man, you can dress it up how you want to. We, we, we can play a semantic game all day long, but you damn well better figure out if something's about ready to kill you or not. Okay, wait, wait. Or you wait. will not be around. I, 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 you're, you're changing. You're I'm going to grab my beer on that one. Fight or flight and giving it an opportunity to be hateful. The reality. No, 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 no. No, I'm not saying be hateful about it. I'm just yeah, saying we have it. We have the, you, you are going to notice. You're going to be aware of. Now, what you choose to do with that is up to you. And, and what level of priority you decide to assign to that is up to you. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, you could notice that there might be some danger in two old guys sitting out in the parking lot. But but that doesn't mean that you take it to the level of you start condemning them and treating them poorly and all the rest of it. Yeah, you're going to notice it. But put that in perspective. Don't go be an a-hole to somebody about it. Okay, this is for Reggie, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to Reggie. I'm listening. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so what I think, George, and, and this is where I want Reggie to, to chime in on this. We are focused on negativity. Okay. It, it isn't about fight or flight or discernment. It's that we have something that's wrong inside of us that we don't want joy. We don't, we, we're, we're not excited to see other people communing. Think about if you had a job, Reggie, and somebody gets promoted. I mean, is everybody really happy? No. Yes. That's, no. that's our, that's, that's the, that's what we need to, we need to leave behind during this time yes. and start focusing on joy and being happy and being in the moments with people and, yes. and not being jealous. Yes. I think the Catholics had it right with, with original sin. And what I mean by that is, well, you know what original sin is? Both yeah, of no. <laughs> the idea that we were, we were created, we were born of a sinful act. So therefore mm -hmm. we we come into the world with, with some level of, of like sin, inherent sin attached to us, right? It's a consequence of Adam's fall from, from grace and things like that. Oh my God, look at him with this book. Naturally hey, y'all just talk to each other now, so it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, well, uh, you, what's this called, the small stick show? Anyway, so- uh, <laughs> Small talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just brushing up on my uh, 12 rules for life <laughs> in the small stick collection here. Okay, okay. So, uh, but seriously, I, I think we are innately geared and wired to find the bad, right? I mean, mm -hmm. 
spoke to it, this idea that we created these scenarios and we just find the truths that fit those scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what we need to check ourselves on. A couple of shows back, we talked about the whole cognitive self-change thing, the old iceberg, and how being able to recognize what's going on inside you that's leading you to do what you do. That's why I think really, and I'll say this to you, George, I'll do it for free. We need to just hold seminars and ceremonies where we teach people how to do a cognitive, uh, a thinking check-in. Yes. That's really related to how your thoughts and attitudes are leading you to do things, make decisions that are hurtful and harmful toward another human being. It's life-changing, man. That's life-changing information for people. Yes. And, and if you want to keep going down that path, just know that you're willfully doing that. You're choosing to go down that path. Because we yep. can teach you how to come up with some new ways of thinking that will lead to different outcomes. Right. Anybody can learn it. Right. The, the classes we teach. What is it? Uh, 64 IQ. That, that's a, kind of the lowest bar that you can go through the class and still be functional. I mean, it's uh, anybody can learn this stuff, man, if you want to. The, the, the thing is, if people hadn't got a want to out of this circumstance that we in, a want to see something different, a want to do something different, then ain't much we can do about that. But other than control what we can. Yep. So I. I'm glad you got Teresa on here tonight. I got I got a partner. <laughs> Let's go so, He's never so, gonna invite me again. He's no, no, no. I love this. Said. I love this. I you know, I just I just think that uh, if if you think for one second that human beings are not geared well, to are. notice the negative before the positive, you're then, then you're 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 delusional. But it is what what do you do with it? Uh you know, once you have that recognition. And I think that that comes back to exactly what we're talking about, Reggie, being able to understand your, your cognitive structure, your iceberg, like mm -hmm. what are the attitudes and beliefs that you have underlying your thoughts and your feelings, which are driving your behavior. So I grabbed this book because uh, it made me think of one of the rules in 12 rules for life. And that is make friends with people who want the best for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I told my accountant this recently, uh, she started a business and, um, and I don't know, a few years ago, uh, I think I'm one of her first clients and to see her prosper and do well, just, I just get so excited about that. I'm so happy for her, but I can't say I'd be happy for every single person who's, who's successful. I can't say that because not everyone has treated me as good as she has. You see what I'm saying? So like mm -hmm. I, I try to, I want to be a part of people's lives who, when they are successful or when things are going great for them, that I can genuinely be very happy for them. Like the, the, to see the two of you prosper and do well and your families do well. Ah, oh, that'd be so uplifting to me. And, I'm and if that's not the case, I don't need to be in your life. But the thing is, more times than not, we spend so much energy trying to please and, and impress those who are the opposite of what you just described mm -hmm. that we end up missing out on, on, as they say in my hometown, our blessings or opportunities that really would take us to another level. Seriously. And I had a mentor. You know him. The same guy we met that, that you we, we met the first time. Mm -hmm. And I still consider him to be my mentor. That man has done nothing but want the best for me. Like, I mean, you know, people have bashed the hell out of him over the years and they found every problem that they could. They've exposed every flaw in that man's game. But I can tell you, 
<laughs> and I don't know what other people's experiences have been, but for me, he wants nothing but the best for me. We were doing a training, and I was up front, and he had taught me how to do this, right? So I did the training, and I, I presented, and I, I finally was at a level I had ultimate confidence. I, I wasn't worried about him being in the back of the room. So I just did me, right? I came back, and I sat down beside him. And he said, that was incredible. You are really it just it, it it you could see the joy in him to see me succeed, and because of that, I don't care if I got a dollar, he got fifteen cents, doggone. You know what I mean? For the rest of my life, and I try to emulate that, or at least replicate that for the people around me. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be credited for your success. Yeah. I don't have some kind of fault. But you got it, and I didn't. Right? Reggie, is this the same? Is this? Is this the same person that you, the three of us were in a car together and I said, uh, in terms of people that are in the system, the the correctional system, no, that we don't, it's not that person? No, it's, but he, that's another example. That man, I had never written a book before in my life. I had no clue what the hell I was doing. By the time it was all said and done, he basically wrote my chapters because he read Kenny the Devil out of them when he edited them for me. But he just wanted to see the best for me. He didn't gain nothing from that. He wasn't seeing anything from it. Right. He just wanted to, he saw something in me that he wanted to be highlighted. Why can't more people be that way? Right. Well, well yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And the reason why is because uh, people, the number one way people make themselves feel good about themselves is compare themselves to other people. Absolutely. And so the, if you can drag somebody, listen, the higher someone is, if you can drag them down, then that's going to make, it's gonna make you feel even that much better. But it's not a pulley system. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. By me pulling them down, ain't gonna pull me up. I mean, that's the crazy. Oh no, but that's a psychological construct. Don't don't. I, I, you get what I'm saying? Like if if someone is at a ten mm-hmm. and you're at an eight, and you pull them down to your level, that's gonna make you feel a little bit better. But if you're at a two and someone's at a ten, you may you pull that person down, then. Said, oh yeah, you're really high and mighty now. Yeah, but what's the old phrase? Burning your neighbor's house ain't gonna make your house. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's just a part of the human condition. This is what people do. People drag people down because because listen, if I want to make myself feel good about myself, I could go through the 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 chore of identifying, even if I had the self-awareness to even do it to begin with, which I probably wouldn't, mm-hmm. I could identify all the ways that I'm messed up and broken and, and, and screwed up. And then I could begin to work on those things one after another, one after another. And I could go through this process that might take me six, seven, eight, ten 10 years of self-improvement. And I probably would never improve anyway, or I could spare myself all of that and just talk about what a degenerate Reggie is and feel better about myself. Well, that's a lot quicker path to that, uh, that psychological place. And this is what people do. It's like the ultimate shortcut to feel good about yourself. Well, you and, people, and people do it. People do it all day long. Mr. Theresa, go. You got okay. to He'll let you get in. You got to go. Get in. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, first of all, uh, I don't think everybody's like that. I think Reggie and you and myself, and we're, we're not the only three people who understand what it means to make somebody else better. I hope not. And I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing that replaces seeing somebody do well and knowing that you poured into their life. And you don't have to get credit for it. Mm-mm. I mean, I can't explain it, but you know it because you've experienced it. But we have to teach people and our children 
I mean, it really begins with children. We have to teach them to want more for other people and not be selfish. Yeah. That we're feeding the selfishness in our society. And mm -hmm. that is why we feed off of hate. And yeah. we feed off of pulling people down instead of everybody should not get a trophy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And loss is important because loss grows us. When you understand loss, you don't revel in somebody else's loss. You preach us to preach. Yes, ma'am. You know? And and that is something that I mean, I didn't I didn't learn to an older age. And that's what I'm talking about. This whole COVID thing and this loss is being able to see people differently. And nobody is unaffected by it. Mm. You know, so we can't be pulling people down and and being happy because they lost their jobs. Mm. The loss of a job will mean a loss of a marriage. Yeah. I mean, they may hit their kid. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. They may lose their home. We don't know the ramifications of these three weeks in the next 12 months. Mm -mm, we don't. You know, and so we have to change and not be not be mad because somebody's outside having a donut, not wearing a mask. <laughs> you know, if they want to expose themselves to that virus, that's up to them. Yeah. Just don't go hang with them. Yeah, I mean, I might get a donut with them because I'm lonely. <laughs> Absolutely. I tell you, so uh, shop so I can go. <laughs> so my friend, my friend Kayla here says, uh, it "Teach kids the golden rule," and and that's that's true. But I will tell you what I believe goes even further than that is a good understanding of grace. Yes. That that is what changes people's lives. So th this is why I run a great nonprofit. Reggie, you are you are neck deep in a great nonprofit as well. And Teresa's always out raising money for great nonprofits and does great work as well. But none of that, my nonprofit I run is not the hope of the world. <laughs> No, but the it's the hope, hope of the people that you serve. I I'm mean, telling you, I'm telling you, I believe the hope of the world is the church. Okay. And so, Reggie, I said Amen. to you the other day, um, we'd probably do a really good, we'd probably do really good to step back while we're criticizing everybody and talking about who has blood on their hands, to sit back and look at the names of the hospitals that people are going into. St. <laughs> Joseph, St. Mary, St. This, St. That, Baptist this, Methodist that, you know, Presbyterian this. Like, it is like just, okay, so it's the church, all right? And so what? what's even better than saying, hey, treat somebody the way you would want to be treated is, is when you realize that you are a broken, disgusting mess but you are loved regardless. Mm. Mm. And you are so loved that I don't, I, it's like, I don't deserve this house. I don't deserve the swimming pool that I was sitting in earlier. Right. I don't, I don't deserve all those things. I've got great kids. I've got great family. I got great friends. Like I don't deserve all of those things, but those things have been like lavished upon me anyway, in spite of all of my brokenness. And so that then doesn't even leave me room to start pointing the finger at everybody else and pointing out their mess because I look in the mirror every day and I say, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And listen, if you don't even believe that as a matter of faith, I think you could still say, hey, George, that's a pretty good psychological construct anyway, just to acknowledge, have the self-awareness to acknowledge your own faults and not be pointing your finger at everyone else. Like 
anyone, regardless of faith, ought to be able to go along with that one. Well, I'll stick with the faith thing, but I, I, let me let me move it and give you just a, a secular way of looking at it. And Laura Prince, my mama, told me a long time ago, you ain't no better than nobody on this earth, but ain't nobody better than you, right? It, it, it's not a, a sense of being equal to one another. It's just everybody has some worth and value, right? And if we can realize that I've made mistakes, I've done wrong, I am not Jesus's child, then maybe when that other person makes a mistake, then we, we can show them a little bit of, of grace, or a little bit of forgiveness, right? I don't, I don't, when did we learn to hold grudge for so long? When did we learn to, mm. to really lock in on everything that's bad about a person, try to expose it? And I, I don't get it. I, I don't. But if you, if people can embrace that idea of grace, not there, but for the grace of God, but that we are all broken, we have all fallen short. So why can't the point there? I think I think when you're asking why did we start holding a grudge so long, is that yeah. We've forgotten how to forgive ourselves. Mm. So since we can't forgive ourselves, we don't believe anybody else deserves grace or forgiveness. Mm. I mean, this is, this is one thing like talking to my kids. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I don't want them, you know, on the Fox News Network or <laughs> CNN. I mean, and, and I don't think anybody who is our age who hasn't made a mistake. But I have learned to forgive myself. And that, I believe, has helped me start to see people differently because I'm not the same person I was when I made those mistakes. Those mistakes grew me. And then, and by that pain, they caused me to recognize other people's pain. Mm. So you are not the sum total of your choices and actions. You are who you, you are, who you are. And then you, you can choose to be something different if you want to be. And if people can go down that path, I don't know. See where it takes you, man. I can't say it's going to work out for everybody. But it's this idea that everybody, I'm so perfect, knowing that I'm flawed, but I can't let you have any shine. I can't let you, I can't see joy in you. Because yeah. if you got joy and I don't, then that makes me even more miserable. Yep. So the, okay, so so picture the three of us are all working together and we, have, we share the, the same supervisor and the supervisor comes to me and says, hey, I'm really not happy with the level of work that you've been doing. You, you just, you really need to step it up around here, right? Mm -hmm. The natural inclination in my mind would be to say in my head, would. I wouldn't be suicidal enough to say it out loud, would be <laughs> this fool needs to go talk to Reggie and Teresa. He don't need, he don't need to be in my office talking to me. I mean, that is the natural human response. I'm telling you that that is it. Like nine times out of ten, that's it. But what it really ought to be, if you really have a pers perspective of grace, of like I said earlier, the reaction should be, you know what? Thank you. Because what that does is, here, I thought my level of brokenness. Let's scale this. I thought my level of brokenness was like at a nine. And I'm so loved at a nine, but I just figured out that my brokenness is really at a 10 and I'm still loved in spite of that. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like the appreciation that I would have the, the thankfulness that yes, you're right. I'm even more messed up than I thought I was. And yet I'm still loved. I'm still highly regarded. 
You see, so that's like there's this. It should. It should be this. Um, the more I understand my brokenness, the deeper my gratitude. And so, and in, and I want to be more. Uh, I want to have more gratitude. And so, if I become even more aware of my brokenness, that even grows. It's, it's this interplay in between the two. And so, it's like if I just put up those walls and say, "Get out of here," I'm actually. It's a hard thing. It's counterintuitive, but I'm actually robbing myself of the ability to to experience that um, that level of gratitude. Okay. You're a software person. Go ahead, Mr. Reese. Okay. Go. What did you What did you say, Reggie? I, I want to hear what you said before. Reese said, "He's going. He's going." I tell you what I said. So I I want to help you think about it a little bit differently because you use when you hear brokenness, it, it's almost negative. Mm. What you're really doing is you're taking ownership of you. You're taking ownership of your choices. You're forgiving yourself. You're recognizing it, it's not just brokenness. It's it's being responsible. Mm. And we don't want, we don't use those words anymore. About you know, like when we're talking about kids procrastinating, you know, work. I mean, a lot of times the reason people lose their jobs is they don't take ownership of recognizing their part in whatever their employer sees is happening. It might not be true. The employee's perception might be skewed, but when you don't take ownership and you don't begin to communicate and work through it, then you get mad and go, you need to go in Sharice's office because she sucks. Because <laughs> 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 it really boils down to a sense of self-worth, right? Yeah. If, if I have some uh, sense of self-worth, the belief in my own human capital, right? I feel like I got... So the wherewithal to be able to move through certain circumstances and survive certain things, then it makes me a lot more amenable to, to criticism, feedback, and everything else. An example of that would be well, a kid I call, we call our bonus kid. My son's best friend in high school, I think they're still really close friends now, named Daniel O'Toole. Daniel plays at the University of Minnesota. Daniel is going to be a first-round draft pick in the NBA lottery this year, right now. Now, in the past, I would hear and then my son was really bad about this, where they would compare themselves to other players and talk about this guy's garbage, that guy's garbage, this, that, and the other. And I, I, I thought, well, okay, I guess that's how you fuel your fire, right? But I noticed from Daniel now that he has been successful, right? <clears throat> he, he has belief in his own ability. He has a, a strong sense of self-worth of him in basketball. He can honor his peers. He can respect the, what they bring to the table. He don't need to criticize those around him anymore, right? I mean, like the other day, he plays in the Big Ten. Some some guy got the Naismith Award. Daniel was one of the first people to tweet out that this his one of his main competitors was robbed, right? Like he should have got that award. And it made me stop for a second and realize that's his. He has a strong sense of self worth. Like he has the confidence within him to know that I don't need to stamp out his light in order for my light to shine, right? And actually, if I I elevate his light. It'll make my light a little bit brighter, right? I'm, I'm rising with him. And so, but how many, who, can we say that about a lot of people? That they have yeah. a, a sense of self-worth? That they have a set of, like a, that they believe in their human capital so much. And human capital, those skills, those attributes, those strengths that we we, we carry with us from one situation to the next. Do, do they have that much faith in themselves to be able to move forward? And I think, and I'll go to the biblical, I mean, to the religious portion. The reason why we don't have faith in ourselves is because we don't have faith in something better, bigger and better than us, right? Something that's greater than us. We see ourselves in these moments and we make these self-serving decisions 
And it, it eats at us. It eats at our core. And I think deep down, people know what's right and wrong. That book, The Moral Landscape, that you got me reading, George, that, that it speaks. <laughs> the more I gravitate, of what, uh, gravitate toward what's wrong and away from what's right, it, it, it starts to eat in my fabric, man, my core. And it starts to take away from my self-worth. If we, during this time that we're going through right now, if we can stop and realize the little accomplishments that we have, being able to take care of your family, if you're in a struggling position, being able to mm-hmm. find that meal, that should build your your human capital, man. That should build your awareness of the strengths that you have within you. And then if we can see that, if that comes out of this, then it can help us carry forward where people can not feel the need to drag that next cat down in order to lift myself up. What do you yeah. think? Well, we don't, uh, we don't celebrate people in our culture that make mistakes. And the problem with that is that everyone makes mistakes. Everybody. What we do is we put out memes on Facebook about integrity and how integrity is um, doing the right thing when no one is looking. And here's what I got to say to that. No one does that. (laughs) No. No one does that. People, no one does that. And that that crushes people. That crushes people to put this 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 expectation on them that they must be perfect all the time, even when no one is looking. That is not integrity. That is slavery. That's slavery is what that is. And so what is integrity? Folks, I'm telling you, integrity is making mistakes and then and then owning rising, it. owning it, and then rising it. above it, and it's owning it, and then screwing up again, and then owning it again, and screwing up more, and and eventually maybe you won't screw up that way again, right? I've made some mistakes, and Teresa, good God, you, I've bore my soul to you like the most <laughs> agreed. I thought you were going to say I made a bunch of mistakes. No, like I've, I, <laughs> you, you and I sat down one day, and I just bore my soul to you, you know, like I was just in tears. And, and so it's like, I don't think that's a mistake I'll make again, but I'll make others, you know? And, um, and so no one does that. And if we said that that was even possible from a faith standpoint, wouldn't that just cheapen grace? Why would I even need grace? Well, I could do it on my own. I mean, it's like, God is happy. I'm on his team, man. Cause I'm holding it down hundred percent over here. That's not happening. It's not happening. We're, we're putting people into bondage and slavery with that idea. Well, I think people are made in the fire. I, I, I believe that mistakes build you. And they, and they give you, when I meet people who have never fallen and never, and you know, and I'm not saying raise up from your bootstraps, but, but failure, whether it's a job, whether it's at relationships, whether it's at money, Nobody can ever take those lessons from you. The fire, and we use words like refining, but what really happens is when you get burned in the fire, it's like being a toddler. You don't put your hand on the stove anymore. You learn from it and you grow from it. And hopefully you're able to to give that wisdom to somebody else. I mean, I'm going to tell you, Somebody was talking to me this week and I said those things to him. I was like, you, and I wasn't talking about, I used the word integrity, but what I was talking about is it's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to pretend it didn't happen. And then you don't take responsibility. The sooner you own it, the sooner you're transparent. Like, I mean, like when you're talking about like you 
bore your soul to me. I appreciate you did that, but you didn't have to. It wouldn't have changed the way I felt about you, you know, but it did change me because I saw that kind of brokenness in a different aspect. And it helped me to look at, hey, who have I hurt where I've kind of made them feel uncomfortable? Mm. So your pain grew me because I looked at things through my own lens saying, how have I hurt somebody that you were concerned with the way I felt? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely. And what, what it was, uh, Reggie, to make it really clear is that I wanted to, to tell Teresa about mistakes that I've made, but I was afraid that I'd be rejected by her as a friend. Understood. I mean, yeah. I, I, so I, that made, that made her say to herself, Oh my gosh, what have I done or how have I portrayed myself to George? that would cause him to think that he could lose my friendship. Yeah. And so where, yeah. where has, you know, so Teresa has to say, well, take inventory and say, well, where have I maybe done that with other people left other people feeling the same way? Right. And I, I agree with everything you're saying. The only kind of, I guess, reframe is you say people are born in the fire. I say the fire exposes. Right. Ooh, I like that. The, the whole idea <laughs> man is how he handles adversity. I, I used to joke with guys in jail about this all the time. I told them, dog, you, you, jail didn't make you a punk. You came in here punk. You know what I mean? And jail didn't make you come in here and, and, and do X, Y, and Z. You had it in you. It just brought it out of you. You know what I mean? And, and so if you were soft when you came through the door, well, it's just going to pull that out of you at some point. But at, not being flippant about it, just really, when, when people go through adversity, their true core comes out. Their character comes out. Now, some people shine in the moment. Others fold like a tent. The thing is, though, it takes courage to be able to shift that, that folding. And, and we're not a, a nation of courageous people anymore, though. We just aren't. People are so concerned about what other folks think, how they're going to respond. I mean, think about you and I, George. The conversation we have offline <laughs> compared to what we have online well, that's got a lot to do with uh, whether or not we want that next contract, right? That's right. We still have to work, man. We still have to work. That's why I need everyone to like, uh, subscribe, uh, give us that five-star <laughs> rating on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and uh, Spotify, all the rest of it. Because George and, George and Reggie uh, need some of that. Well, I'm not going to say what kind of money, but um, we need that money to be honest. But And, and that's the thing, too. I don't want to sell people short. And act as if I'm holier than thou, and then you know the ones who can't do what I think I'm capable of doing are so less than me. No, it, it takes a lot of courage to do that, man. And, and until we recognize that, it does take that courage, and that we have it in us to do it. Ain't much gonna change. But the idea to go against the norm, to do what's not in your normal wiring, is hard, and it, it can only happen by taking risks. I was thinking, I was thinking uh, today, and then I think even Teresa might have reaffirmed it tonight, like or one of you did. Like, if you got a promotion, not everybody's going to celebrate that. No, like I got a, I got a friend running for office uh, in the community. How many people say they're going to vote for him, but they ain't going to vote for him? You know, uh, how many? Get a lot of pictures. That's right. <laughs> how many? How many? How many people were on episode? This is episode number four. How many people at this point? have just criticized the whole idea of doing a podcast. Who cares what he has to say? And, oh, my God, he named it Small Talk. And, I mean, listen, that's just all natural. People are going to do that. 
I just have the luxury at this point of being 43 years old, and I really don't care. And I, I, can I share a bit of honesty with you right now? Yes, please do. And I, I want to be clear about this. You had asked me two days ago. You said, man, I need you to start sharing that thing. And I don't know if I had the courage. I, actually, I'll tell you, I didn't have the courage to start sharing it. Why? Because I was worried about what people would think, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not the, everybody, but some people outside the circle of, of folks that you and I kind of rock with. And, and in the moment of this conversation, I realized I'm being soft, man. I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of a little punk about this, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't, And guess what I did while you were talking earlier in the show? I hope I, you shared it. It's current broadcast, right? Let, let me tell you something, man. If I do not get inundated with friend requests <laughs> by black folks tomorrow, we will know that this was an absolute failure. Hey, you're making some assumptions there because you're assuming all my friends on the Facebook is black. They mostly are, but don't stop making them assumptions. <laughs> Come on, man. I know you well enough at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm just making that assumption and uh, you know, out of nowhere. Come on, it's like we're we're we are brothers from another mother. Absolutely. And so, uh, speaking to that, literally, as I was talking and, and processing what y'all was saying, it, it, it's an intentional act to show courage, to really push yourself to do what you keep asking other folks to do. Yep. It's easy to sit in the pulpit and thumb your nose at folks and, and, and talk about what they ain't doing. But really, what are you doing? I mean, like, seriously, how are you making a change? And so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to live the truth, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to live the change I want to be. And people got all kinds of sage advice for me when it comes to how, you know, th- this nonprofit that I run. Well, I can only imagine. <laughs> right? I mean, this is a very unique thing. We're putting kids on dirt bikes and riding around. That's the dirt therapy thing. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of sage advice from who, <laughs> from folk who never take a risk in their entire life. Ooh. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Oh, yeah. I'm really not. I don't much care. I mean, how many people are going to criticize? Like I said, to start doing a podcast. I'm sitting around the house and not doing anything. Uh, Teresa and Reggie, you both know that I've been talking about doing this for years. Yeah. Well, it seems like a good idea to just go ahead and do it now. Yeah. Oh, I, and I could just go through. Listen, I've already heard this stuff. I've heard, I've heard from people I respect. I mean, I remember doing Facebook Live one time quite a bit, just promoting some stuff we were doing at Filter, the nonprofit. And and someone came to me, and, you know, in jest. But I believe there's uh, many a truths are spoken in jest and said, George, you need an intervention. This is by somebody I love and respect. And I'm thinking to myself, through this process in the last three weeks, what's that person thinking now? I remember someone saying to me at the same time frame, doing a bunch of Facebook Live, promoting that nonprofit, just just video of kids on bikes, and someone saying, Oh, look, it's George TV. Man, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I'm gonna go ahead and do what I want to do, and I'm not hurting anyone. And you know what? But in the last week, uh, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine who the conversation, the topic of the conversation was sparked from just some thoughts that came out of our conversations last week, Reggie. Like, I don't care that anyone even uh, adopts my point of view. Yeah. Uh, what I care about is just intellectually stimulating conversation where maybe people start thinking a little bit more. But basically, cause I think it's Hallelujah. Because <laughs> conversation, converse, talking is, is, uh, is thinking. Talking is a form of thinking, and that's why we need free speech. We don't need to stifle thinking. Yeah. And, or and just, it's, okay, it's okay to disagree. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Reggie don't and I will definitely uh, show that. Okay. It's okay to disagree. Every day. <laughs> you know? Yes, it's ma'am. healthy. It's healthy to disagree. Yes. And to listen to somebody else. Yes. And the thing I, I respect about just the whole process and what made, gave me the courage tonight is, is realizing, you know, a lot of times people get in a situation, they get so fixated on um, what other folks think. That's going to keep us from learning anything from this experience we're going through. Mm-hmm. It really and truly, that's going to be the biggest hurdle that slow us down from actually taking this and transferring it into something that's transformational in our society is worrying about what the next man thinks. Fox don't say we supposed to think that way. So I know my friends watch Fox. Well, I, I shouldn't be well, damn that. Seeing you know MSNBC said I should be thinking this and I should be thinking that. And so if I thought no, let's let that go. Let's really focus in on what is going to benefit us individually. But also, what's going to help one another? Right? I told you, one of my core beliefs is first be of service. And I, mm-hmm. I, I let go of that for a while, and, and to a great sense. And it says I'm not falling head first into it. But during this time and after, I will be of service, guaranteed. And if, if you, I'm asking you and anybody watching this show, if you find out that I'm not, hold my feet to the fire for that. For okay, real. we will. <laughs> Call me to account. And that's what we need to do with one another from time to time. Not point out your flaws, but help remind you of the path that you want to be on. Right? At the end of the day, I'm going to choose whether I to listen to what you got to say and get back on the path or not. But we, we can be one another's counselors. We can be one another's support. But it takes courage to do it. And a sense of selflessness. Yes. And it's, it takes courage to tell the truth to somebody you love. Yes. You know, it, it takes a lot. Like, I'll tell you something about being transparent. You talk about insecurities. I remember where I was when I was talking to my pastor about not sharing anything on my social media about God. Mm. Not wanting, I mean, I, I've been a believer, for, it almost feels like forever, but not wanting people to judge me, be like, oh, who does she think she is? You know, you, you know what I mean? Like, you have all these thoughts inside your head. And the next day when I was doing my devotions, I mean, I had like a God moment, Mm. you know, about trying to be honest about who I am. Yes, I am, you know, George likes to say brokenness, but I I like to say, you know, a person of growth. Where I was three years ago or three months ago is not where I am today. And I don't want to be ashamed of something that gives me hope, which is faith. Mm. I mean, and I've been mindful. You talk about service. I've been mindful of making sure that I share on. I'm more transparent with my heart, what I'm trying. It's not lip service that I'm praying for you. I mean, I I am praying for people. I am praying that we get through this because if you want to be raw and transparent, I'm afraid of where this could possibly lead if we don't learn. Yeah. And, And that is what scares me is is what happens if nothing changes? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's gonna be worse than a virus. Oh yeah. You know. Too much was exposed during this time for us to go back to the way we was, partner. Oh. <laughs> so do you think we're uh, do you think we're headed down that path toward toward positive changes at this no toward positive changes at this point? Hey, I watched MSNBC spend almost the entire night of prime time devoted to facts over fear. If they can do that, we got hope. Yep. Yep. There was no hyperbole. There was no 
drawn out narrative about who did what and why they did it. It was just, they had a bunch of doctors on and virologists and stuff, and they just let people kind of send questions in, and it was just focused on that. I mean, seriously, if they can take, even if it was just one day, one show, if they can do that, there's hope, man. And then you t- and then you go to sleep and you wake up and there's Joe and Mika in the morning and all your hopes and dreams go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, I mean, there is hope. There's hope. I mean, there's three people right now having a conversation that would have never taken place if this virus did not come. You would have talked to Reggie, but the three of us probably would have never been on this. I mean we might not have had the courage to have these conversations for fear of, you know, I might not get that invite to that event where we are. Well, there's no events happening. (laughs) So we can't miss out. (laughs) Well, Teresa, you've always said that uh, I'm I'm good at getting people together, putting people together. And so uh, I know uh, in particular, there's people that I've introduced you to that you've uh, become fast friends with and good friends with. And, Yes. I think uh, it's awesome just to see the two of you as far apart as you all, you, you both are right now, uh, right here together. It's awesome. Well, hey. I'm going to hold Reggie accountable. Hey, and I want you to, for real. <laughs> I don't see freak stuff either. I just do. <laughs> you know, Reggie, I was thinking tonight, man, we got to get you uh, to come visit Inverness sometime, you know? But we, I, w- I want I want small talk to be like a household name first. That way, uh, you know, like when you and I are walking around the, the, the big metropolis that is uh, Inverness, Florida, that, that people just come out of the woodwork saying, oh, that's Reggie, that's Reggie. Like, they'll know. Hey, well, how long is the drive from Inverness to, to Hattiesburg? Because you know I'm going to be going on to Hattiesburg to watch my baby play. Yeah, man, that's a pretty good haul. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's probably about uh, at least 11 hours. Oh, dang. Okay, we ain't going anywhere. Yeah, ten maybe ten hours. I don't know. You have to. You got an iPhone, man. P- pull it up and look. But but uh, it's a long drive. Let me tell you. Okay, we'll figure something out though. Seriously, because I, I love the South. I told you that a hundred and five times for real. And, and you can hang out in his pool because he only mentioned it like twenty times. Oh really? <laughs> I, you noticed that too? I thought it was just me. <laughs> Teresa, I'm sure you have a nicer pool than I do. <laughs> I have a pool, but I, I'm. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to take advantage of it tomorrow and I'm going to take a little clip and say, I'm in my pool. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You see this, Reggie? That's Prince Reggie right there. Yeah. <laughs> you're my new best friend. <laughs> yeah. She'll take that. She'll take that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we've been uh, we've been at it for uh, quite a while here, and uh, this this is the danger of this whole thing that uh, I could talk to either one of you for easily an hour and a half or two hours, get both of y'all on here, and it's like we could go for like three hours. I, I mean, we could try to break like Joe Rogan's record and just sit here for like four hours. Nah, nah. no, <laughs> yeah, people will people will click on Rogan's podcast to listen to that. I don't think they're going to click on small talk to listen to it. That's for sure. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, I appreciate y'all uh, being on here tonight. Some technical glitches to get it going, but I think this was a, a productive conversation and yeah. um, ho- hopefully it worked. Kayla just said uh, it, w- it was stuck. So, you know, I want people to know that what I do is I take this audio 
from our uh, Facebook no, live. Let me, let me reframe that. She's saying that my, the name of Prince Reggie, her kid, uh, do that, and that's the she ain't talking about his audio. Oh, uh, this is what Cam knows him as now. Yeah, I see that. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'll, I'll take this audio here tonight. I'll, I'll upload it to uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all the rest of it, and um, people can listen and hit that subscribe button and give us a rating. And, uh, Hey, listen, I, I heard that most podcasts are done after three episodes. Isn't that what cousin, uh, cousin Vinny told us, Teresa? Yep. Most podcasts last three episodes and this is number four. So we're beating the odds already. <laughs> so we're just going to keep on plugging along. And, um, but we do need help. We do need help with people getting the word out, sharing the podcast with their, uh, their friends on Facebook or even just your address book on your iPhone. Just share it with people. Don't be like Reggie and be afraid to do it. Hey, just share it. Just share it. It's done now. It's shared now. And I, 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 I plan on getting plenty of my, uh, uh, black brothers and sisters, uh, uh, friending me on Facebook, uh, later this, this evening. And you sure ain't got none right now. I look for your picture. Come on, man. I've got at least hey, come on, Reggie. Come on, Reggie. I'm not racist. I have t- I have two Facebook friends that are black. I'm not racist. Well, if you could count the number of Facebook friends you have that are black, I'm gonna say you might be on the spectrum, but um <laughs> oh you you'll see when we talk about hey and what and one of them is my boy Denzel, actually, that I, I mentioned on uh I think our first podcast. And so uh and today's his birthday, so I want to say happy birthday to him. And um and so that's it. So I appreciate everyone listening and uh hopefully you'll tune in next time. All right, brother.